0: Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. The uh, most beautiful See, or they hear beefcakes, they see the beefcakes. It <laughs> <laughs> must be something about the stature. You know, if you lock me up with ten others, you would be like, which one's beefcake? is that one. <laughs> the, uh, the interesting thing about your church, I want to share this real quick, and it's more specifically about your pastor and some of your members, um, I developed a closer relationship with many of the men inside of your church through F3, mm-hmm. um, and some of them are inside of here today. And actually, I have a coming from where I come from, I have a lot of support in my life—mentors, sponsors, a lot of advocates. Um, and growing through my own recovery process, I just celebrated ten years of sobriety. <laughs> myself. I uh, found myself quickly removed. Um, from that circle last year whenever my wife and I were going through a high-risk pregnancy with our little girl and that's whenever we had to be uprooted from our home in Shiloh and move uh, into Wilmington area and God ordained these men, your pastor and these men in your church to support me through that process. I didn't even know that they were here waiting on me but when I got there they said, hey, we were waiting on you. And uh, I got to know them really closely through working out with them through F3, and we developed a bond through that and a really kind friendship. <coughs> Ironically, your church supported us before that relationship uh, grew together, but since then I've just developed a whole new kind of love and appreciation for your church through these three or four men, uh, your pastor being one of them that's out here, who really helped support me through that process. So that's something you guys can feel really endeared to about what you guys represent Outward facing to the community When I pulled up in the parking lot this morning uh, My wife and I were parking the vehicle And my two year old son goes Dad, wrong church <laughs> He just cracked me up they, uh, he's, a, he's a good kid And uh, I'm so grateful to have both of them my family And it's always been a dream of mine To have a family And God's allowed me to fill out that dream In my own life today uh, I'll tell you, Christian Recovery Centers currently have 76 residential beds filled right now. We're serving 76 individuals right now with residential services. They're going through a 6-month to 18-month recovery program to help them set aside their addictive lifestyle, develop a new relationship with Christ, and find themselves in a new meaningful place in society. We just started the transition in occupying our new 102-bed facility in Shiloh. Um, It's a little bit, I'll tell you this uh, transparently, a little bit bittersweet because, man, it's tragic that there's such a need for services like these inside of our community. And uh, if we allowed it to happen, of course, we have a really robust transition plan to make sure that we don't tip the ship over with bringing in all of these new residents. But if we wanted to cut the ribbon loose and just start filling up the beds, our waiting list would have that place filled up in about 30 days. Um, which is tragic. We're one of the only free residential services in the state of North Carolina that are offering a faith-based recovery curriculum with professional therapy services. Uh, so we have a very good model that touches people in a lot of different ways. Most importantly, they're the most church-going folks you've ever met in your life. Um, and like Pastor said this morning, you're going to see about 60 of them coming to visit uh, here today. Um, when I look at what God's done, With Christian recovery centers, it's a special endearment for me. Uh, I believe that there's so many people who are hopelessly lost to addiction right now that have such a high impact yield that they need to contribute to the kingdom. Do you guys understand what I just said? There's so many people right now who are living a lifestyle of addiction that have so much to contribute to the kingdom, and obviously this major thing keeps a barrier in front of them from actually giving those efforts and those talents to God. Um, so it's great to be a part, and it's so warming to have you guys as a part for that ministry as well. Real quickly, before I get into this, I'm going to tell you, watching the kiddos come up here is a beautiful thing to me. To have them dedicated, and of course we did the same in our church with uh, LJ and Rain. That's our littlest one; she's a year old now. When you think about raising a child, and this is something that I never thought about before, um, this actually ties back into my sermon, but it's a new little thing I'll share with you. I think about the consistency it takes. LJ, uh, he's two, and we've had a pretty good rhythm with the kid. Um, Hallelujah. They both sleep 12 hours a night now. <laughs> I, heard the, I heard the one really honest dad up here this morning who said, actually, I sleep great. She <laughs> so I'll hear that too. He said it gone under great. But so, honesty and transparency is perfect. That was me too. I was school. Casey was the one who did all the heavy lifting with it. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful process because we, we just set a pattern in this kid's life and just started doing the same thing over and over and over again and we really don't break loose from that thing very easily right? there's always an anomaly that happens we stay up late one night or do this or do that but the, the benefit of that really didn't happen until we had been doing it for a while consistently and watching this process as it goes you get to watch this kid who starts out kind of not, not knowing which way is up or down he doesn't really have a rhyme or a reason to anything he does. So now he's doing things like when I get home from work, he hustles over to the bathtub and flips on the nozzle himself and puts the drain down and knows it's time. You know? He's just so creative and clever with all this stuff when all we tried to do was to set a pattern forming lifestyle in front of him and he starts to live that way. And it's the most beautiful thing that I've seen him. When I think about the most faithful people that you find in the Bible, you can draw that thread really quickly from consistency to faithfulness, and that's what God calls us to be, is faithful in all things. We're faithful in all things, which means this. We've determined a course or a pattern of behavior to be appropriate, and it doesn't really matter what collateral effects happen around us, but we've still determined that to be the most appropriate course of action, so that's the way we move. That's really in a nutshell what God has called us to be for his kingdom. Or else we'll constantly be tossed to and fro whenever the winds of change keep circling our life and different measures come into play. So when you watch what a lot of people have done, there's actually this talk that I just got to share with the women. Um, I was listening to a speaker and I was doing chapel over at the women's campus not too long ago and I shared this talk. I said, uh, ladies, if, if you only go to the dentist, Twice a year, once every six months for your annual check, your teeth are going to be horrible. They're going to be shot. Because going to the dentist is one piece, but it's not even the most important piece. Going to the dentist twice a year actually is one of the things that we find the hardest to live up to sometimes because we have to schedule the appointment, make sure they have our insurance information show up, do the cook, all those things. But that's not what keeps your teeth healthy. What's what keeps your teeth healthy? Like, two minutes of brushing twice a day and where my my Roderick flossers in here? Not me. Yeah, not me. But, I mean, that philosophy behind it really orchestrates the best composure of what a healthy mouth would look like. It's not about the two checkups that you go. Those kind of become more logistics to what it takes. It, uh, Casey, uh, my wife, she's up here. She's in love with me. <laughs> In love with me. <laughs> we when we started dating, um, I uh, was I was courting her. How many of you guys know courting? Yeah. It is. I had a really uh, I had a really old school sponsor, and he had me write down this thing called an ideals list. And he said, Josh, if God put the perfect woman in your life, the perfect woman, right, what would she look like? Of course, I put, you know, She would she would be kind. She would be loving. She would be compassionate. She would be a Christian, right? She would be slow to anger. I put down all these traits, and uh, he goes, okay. He took that list from me and he said, "You're allowed to go out on first dates now, but never a second one unless she lives up to this list that you've created." And I said, "Wow, okay." I found Casey, and uh, I started courting her and we started developing a relationship. And uh, after we had been dating for uh, two weeks or so, uh, or took it out on a few dates here and there, I said, well, would you like to go meet my parents? And um, she was like, yeah, I'll go meet your parents. So I drove her over. We have been going out on different dates now and talking uh, pretty frequently for a few weeks. And I brought her over. I said, yeah, I'm going to introduce you to my parents. And then after that, you'll be my girlfriend. And he said, well, it would still be nice if you asked. And I said, oh, okay, I'll ask. But so this is, it's funny because I did all of these things and I lived up to the best version of myself when you're dating. But it's it's not like if I went and asked Casey right now, like, hey, what day did you fall in love with me? She's not going to be like, well, it was Tuesday the 27th at 2. You know, it's like, what day did you develop this kind of genuine love where you knew that it was going to be me? that you allow to marry, you know, to do all these things. It's not that. It's the consistency of action from showing up there for her, from supporting her, from doing all of the things that just a good husband would look like he would do. That's the love kind of came. And it doesn't just creep its way in one day in your life. She you didn't just wake up one morning. Yep, I love him. It was after a pattern of behavior was set. And you find this frequently with people who attend gyms. You know, it's not one nine-hour workout and then you come home and you take your shirt off and you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, that was it. I just grinded for nine hours and now everything I wish to be. Well, no, it's actually, if you do that, you'll be really disappointed. No, it's... It's like the people who are healthiest are the people who work out for 30 minutes a day and they do that over and over and over again. And if you miss the mark on a day or two, that's not the hugest deal as long as you quickly migrate back to that thing that you already determined was right, true, pure, consistent action is the thing that points us in the best direction in life. And this is what I've found to be so most true and fruitful for my life is that God is calling me to that kind of faithfulness and the things that I've determined are holy and pleasing to Him. See, the things that I've determined are holy and pleasing to them, I could sit down and pull out a pen. And most of the time, if we sat down in a church together, we would all frequently see that, yeah, this is a good thing. This is holy and pleasing to God. These are all things we should partake in. These are all things we should do. And we'll write it down and we'll make the list of how quickly do we migrate away from them. You know, most of the time it's interesting to watch, to watch not only these things that we're called to do as Christians, they actually equate into what we call worship as Christians. Your consistency begets to worship to God. See, the most endearing thing that I think God will see in His kids on the most consistent pattern is that you choose to do the things that would glorify Him no matter how you feel. Some of y'all y'all a smile today when you walk in here. You still came even though you had a bad morning? Maybe you missed your cup of coffee, you woke up late, but you still didn't let anything shake you off to walk me in the doors here. Because it's a consistent pattern of worship. This is just something that we do. What do we do? We go to church. It's for God. I'm here for God, and not because of how I feel. That's that kind of consistent worship that He calls us to do. I think one of the most disturbing things that I frequently see is not so much what God's called us to do but what He's called us to be apart from. That's the same kind of consistency that's needed. LJ disappointed me the other day, but it was my fault, so I was disappointed in myself. God cleansed my mouth in 2015. So, not just cussing or anything else like that, but I did negativity, gossip, you know, very intentional about what I say when I vocalize, but I do have this one thing that I say. What the heck? And wouldn't you know it, that little boy the other day did something. And I heard him out before of my ear. You know what he said? What the heck? I looked at Casey and I said, because I knew where he got that. From. Like, there was no, like, who taught you that? Maybe I know. It's like what I say. So, like, I'm trying to teach him now. We're trying to say, uh, no, L.J. what in the world? Say what in the world, you know? And I know what the heck isn't the most crazy thing, but when I thought to myself, I was like, do I want him to automatically learn as a two year old that that's the good way to express himself? No. Like if he grows up and says, what the heck, that's not the end of the world to me, but right now, I don't want to set that pattern inside of his life where that's what he chooses to wrestle and say something a little bit softer. And I'm thinking in my head, oh my goodness, what are we called from? 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 See, God calls us to consistent patterns of action to be drawn to that would glorify Him. But He also calls us to steer away from things that we're called to be apart from. I want to show you guys today in the text. It's in Daniel chapter 3. one One of the stories that I think are very, very common to most people in the church today. And I think that one of the things that you'll see today, possibly a new perspective on this is how God oftentimes introduce our healing through things that the devil might have sent to appear to destroy us. In Daniel chapter 3, we all know these guys. They're called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, I want to show you in this text a really specific example of when God shows up after one of his kids have been what's been considered proven to be faithful or consistent, the power that can be found inside of that relationship. And in Daniel 3, you're going to quickly get into the context of it, where you get to see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were given this command. They were in a foreign country, and King Nebuchadnezzar at this time, he had set out a decree that he had built this beautiful gold statue and it was huge. It was stories upon stories high. And he had made a decree that everyone inside of the land would bow down and worship uh, this statue as soon as these horns and trumpets blared. And Shadrach and Shadrach and Abednego said, I'm not flying in that direction. And they said, it's not it. Now this is what I know in my heart that it probably would have been just as easy to say, I'll do it because obviously I don't want to get swiped at. Uh, but I won't mean it. You guys know what I mean by that? It's, okay, I'll kind con- and and this, this is what I get into sometimes whenever there's a, A a case where you should have been a little bit more vocal about you should have taken a little bit more of a position again, but you kind of stick your hands in your pocket and you let it skate by. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? There's there's these situations that present us as Christians, faithful believers, all the time, where it gives us an opportunity to create that expression of God's faithfulness and what we believe inside of ourselves, but we'll slip our hands in our pocket and we'll kind of shrug our shoulders and we'll just be quiet through those situations. And I believe that those are some of the missed opportunities opportunities that God ordained us to encapsulate. To put them inside of that bubble so that we can actually add that as a sentiment to our commitment to Him and recertify that thing on a regular basis. And that's where you find these three guys today. is that They're stuck inside of this place where they obviously could do it. God would forgive them for it. And they would go, okay, well, self-preservation. I'm doing this today in the name of self-preservation but they choose to go differently. They choose to make a stand. They, they choose to make this stand and in front of the public they find themselves in deep trouble. And the place that I'm going to take you to today really quickly is starting in verse 13.
1: It says, and Then Nebuchadnezzar,
0: in rage of fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke to them, saying, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up for you to call to? Now, if you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, pastoral symphony, with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, You shall be cast immediately into the midst of a fiery furnace, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which we have set up before you. How many of you guys have heard this expression before? It is what it is. How many of you guys that's part of your dialect. There, there's this thing, there's this thing that I draw a thread to all the time. It's, it's this kind of resolve that I believe draws our true commitment for Christ. That when conflict happens inside of our life, we can't be shaken from these positions that we've developed to steer clear from or to be connected to because we've done it in the name of Him. We've done it because it's an example and representation of our faithfulness. So the collateral effects that oftentimes creep in as a result of what we have called holy and pleasing to God, we shrug our shoulders and we go, it is what it is. I haven't gotten the results that I wanted, but guess what? I've determined I've I've determined that this is the most appropriate course of action. That this is what God's called me to be. This is how God's called me to serve today. This is what God's called me to be apart from. This is how God's created me to be today. And guess what? It just is what it is. It is what it is. See, that has a different dialect to you today if you're stuck in the middle of something today that's forcing you to consider compromising a position. We've all been there before. We've all felt weak and vulnerable and had different struggles that set in. And Some of them seem like they take a more passive approach to us. And some of them seem like they're really blatant right in front of our face. And even though the same, each one of those behaviors, we have that really vividly clear choice. Do I do the things that I'm committed to doing because I'm trying to be consistent to what he's called me to be? I'm consistent. I'm consistent. One of the most refreshing things that I found about my wife is that She's consistent. Consistently good, of course. I'll tell you what, I, I kind of know what I'm going to get when it comes to it. There is this type of result. There is this type of result, I believe, that's been created in this. You know, there's this fellow. He was attending our recovery program very recently. He just graduated. Now, you'll come to find out if you know anything about recovery. That you oftentimes run into people, especially with a longer-term program, six-month program like ours is. We have this 18-month re-entry program on the back end. You find people who create a lot of good reasons to leave. And uh, oftentimes, it's it's definitely hard for people to attend. The six-month portion of our program is really rigorous in nature. It's almost militant. To an extent, it's wake up at this time and go to bed at this time, attend this therapy group at this time. Their time is not their own at all, and it's definitely difficult. And people who come there, they're not just kind of coming off the drugs and alcohol, but they're adopting a new structure and philosophy for their entire life, so it's definitely taxing for them. But I I watched this this guy, and if you've ever seen, there's been a few times over the past ten years that I've seen what I would consider a good reason to leave. And uh, most people who think they have a really good reason don't really have a good, good reason to leave. But I watch these people and they'll come up with these reasons often. And you always get to find out what they're really about whenever they pull it out of the driveway. I've seen them come in and say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a dad and I have two kids and I really need to leave to go fit the responsibilities of being a dad. Okay, that sounds really good on paper, but the first stop you make is like a food line down the road to pick up a pack of marbles. Oh, how does that fit into your mission? You guys see what I'm saying? You, you always get to see what somebody's really about whenever they make the first step towards the direction that they claim to subscribe to, right? So this guy, he gets diagnosed with cancer. One of the things that we start allowing him to do, we have these contracts set up for medical and dental services, so our, our program's more comprehensive care in nature. And we start taking this guy to the doctor, and he gets diagnosed with cancer. While he's in our care, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, got diagnosed with cancer. And so we start scheduling his next follow-up appointments. And, you know, as someone who's been around the diagnosis of cancer before, I know these things happen quickly. You know, there is no waiting three months for your next appointment. Like, they really try to cycle people through. And I talked to him in person after a chapel service one day. And I said, man, we've all been praying for you, Chris. Like, what, what are you going to do with your cancer diagnosis and what do you want to do? He said, Well, I was gonna leave but he said, I don't believe that I should And I said, Really? And he said, Yes. He said, because if God heals me from the cancer, I want my spirit to be well just like He's made my body. And I'm saying, kid, you had the greatest excuse anyone's ever been given to break a course of action that you believe God had originally called you to. See, if you ask most people who step foot inside of our program, they would say, I believe God called me here. I believe God drew me out from that place of sickness and darkness that I was living in to try to establish a new relationship with Him. And it's, I've committed to this course of action. It's difficult. It's hard. It's longer than I'd like it to be. But as I go through and I navigate this process, I believe all of these things are drawing me closer to God. So yes, it's holy. Yes, it's pleasing to Him. And Chris goes, I don't believe that I should shake that off so easily. Meanwhile, the irony around the whole thing is you've got other guys who are leaving because they don't like the cereal that was served. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cancer or a food line brand. Raisin brand. Oh, cancer. You see, it's, it's crazy. Because some people are so easily twisted up. They're, they're so easily blown off course when they wake up in the and they say, physical fitness is now a priority in my life and I'm going to go bust my butt at this gym. And they go for two hours and they come home and they get on the scale and guess what they see? You're actually a little bit heavier. <laughs> Man, And then they go back the next day and they come back home and they're like... Oh not seeing the results not seeing the results no no see it's it's not about how quickly you see what God's promised you to do it's that the course of action that you determine is appropriately holy and pleasing to him Is, is what you set out to do meaningful enough to your faithfulness to continue he said it's meaningful What what am I going to do differently If I go home You guys are taking me to the doctors And doing all these things I I mean I'd rather be here And work on this And I said wow If you ever would have had the right excuse to quit I I thank God When I look back in my life At the times that I almost quit I mean if y'all know what I'm talking about I thank God when I look back in my life and I observe the times that I almost gave up. And I say, thank God that I stuck to that course of action that I had deemed appropriately holy and pleasing to you. Thank God I did there was this the greatest chat we have this uh, all of our we have about thirty six employees for Christian Recovery Centers we're all in this group chat together and uh, one day he we went to the doctor's office somebody uploaded a chat after and said Chris just got out of the doctor's office they did all of his labs and cultures and all the things that they needed to do again trying to square away his treatment and they said. It was a misdiagnosis. They said it actually turns out he has a severe blood infection. The next thing, I will talk about this, it just happened like two months ago, so it's still very fresh. But the next thing that got uploaded into that chat was the most beautiful thing that I benchmarked faithfully anytime. One of our employees uploaded into that chat in all caps. Y'all believe that if you want to. We just witnessed a miraculous healing. I believe that. I, I do. I believe. It. Y'all believe what you want to. Spend three circles and believe it again. I believe. But I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. And see, there's this there's this sentiment that when you get to the other end of something, when you get to the other end of something, when you get to the other end of something, that once God has shown you His faithfulness, it's a relationship of reciprocity. It's a rel- that God, I'm so committed to steer clear from what you've set me to steer clear from. And I'm so connected to steer close to what you've set me to steer close to. That it doesn't change the demand process in my life just based off of the collateral effects of what I'm going through. That today, God, I've developed this consistent course of action. And then, boom, reciprocity. Your faithfulness begets God's faithfulness. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you God. And he uploads into the chat. Everyone on our staff was filling the Holy Spirit, even though we were all in different places, because he uploaded in the chat. Misdiagnosis equates miraculous healing. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. miraculous healing. Let me show you guys this last part. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was fuel of, full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. He spoke, commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than what usually heated, and he commanded a certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and he cast them down into this fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments. And were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, the furnace exceeding hot, the, the flame of the fire actually killed the man who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of this burning fiery furnace. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men into, the, into this fiery furnace? Bound in the midst of the fire. They answered and said to the king, True, O king, look, he answered, I now see four men who are loose walking around in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Let me tell you all this, the, the, the most beautiful thing that I've come to find out about God. The same thing, the same, and I can't tell you how many times this has happened in my relationship with Christ over and over and over again, but the same thing that the enemy sent. To make sure that you were destroyed, recklessly, hopelessly void to whatever contribution you can make to the kingdom. The same thing that He sent to destroy those three men was the same mechanism he used to free them. When you throw three men into a fiery furnace that are bound, completely captive, dead on a platter type of thing, ready to be off, and then you would now you're looking into the same thing that was supposed to ruin them kill them, destroy them, and all it did was burn the thing off that held them tied together. They're completely loose, walking around, and now this king, who had every sentiment inside of his heart to ruin them, looks down and says, oh boy. <laughs> See, that's what I'm, I'm going after. When the observers in your life... You know observers is a kind word for haters, right? When the observers in your life... Look at what God's doing through all the thick and the thin, of the tragedy that maybe we've had. Some things self-inflicted, some things you really didn't have come to, but you proved to be faithful through whatever consistent action you can. And they sit back and they have no choice but to go, "Oh boy." Amen. They're getting free to the same thing that the devil sent to destroy them. Man, reciprocity of faithfulness. Reciprocity of faithfulness. With the worship team coming, close them with this. I was, I was in this place a few years ago where I had been sober for long enough that I thought the heat was off of me, and God had worked this process in my life that I had so much gratitude for, and I continued to move and migrate into building the things that I believe I was called to build and. I went to a regular checkup appointment for myself, and there's this illness called Hepatitis C. How many of you guys have heard of that before? Mm-hmm. It's most commonly found with drug use, and Hepatitis C is usually a, it's a blood infection, and it used to not be curable. Uh, but it's a blood infection uh, that you can actually exchange with people most commonly because you're sharing needles with people. And I had been tested probably about three or four times prior to this, and it came back negative. And I thought, Wow, well, thank God. Joshua was a there. Well in twenty eighteen I was going to a normal checkup appointment. Going to have my blood work done just like I would for any other physical and all of a sudden I walked into that doctor's office. They called me a few days later and they said, Josh, you have hepatitis C. And at first I was really frustrated because I'm thinking in my head, like, God, like how in the world? Like I got these three negative tests on record, and I thought that I was done with the consequences that I had been dealing with from from all of my reckless living that I was doing. And I thought, God, that Your grace and mercy saved me from this illness, even though I knew that there was a high potential that I could have had it. And I'm thinking, my head, God, what what is going on? Like, why is this happening to me? This isn't right. This is something that's disruptive to my life. And I went and I talked to the doctor, and I said, Well, what options do we have? And he had told me that they now have this medication protocol that you can take, and these, these pills are like $100,000. Very, very expensive, the medication. But they said the prognosis is really good. A lot of people find themselves free and clear, and they you know completely curable. I went through the regimen protocol three months, I followed up six months later with another test, and guess what? I was still there. I would love to say that being the great man of God that I am, that I stood firm and I found myself so connected. But man, I cried because I talked to myself, why? Wow. Like, you know Paul with that thorn in his side type thing? Like, God, I'll be able to serve you better if you would take this thing from me said, there's another medication that's similar, but it's found to be 30% effective for people who failed the first protocol. And I said, okay. He it it's another $100,000. Okay. So I took the medicine. I shared that God ended up healing me from this after a three-year process of going through those treatments, which I'm so grateful for. But that wasn't the testimony. The testimony that I was so embarrassed of. This is where God was dealing with my problem. He said, Josh, you're not going to be well until you're willing to use all things for my glory that are made up of the way you used to live. I shared this story in a testimony for the first time when I was giving it at a church in Southport. And a man came up to me after and he said, I'm scared to go get tested because I already feel like I know what the results are going to be. And he said, but I'm convinced now that I'm going to use the strength that you offered me in your story to benchmark my faith to go see this thing through. I'm, I'm saying this in my head. That could have steered me off If you don't think that's enough to steer somebody off, I'll tell you what, I've seen so many things that make people just off-kilter in what they believe that God's called them to do. That could have been enough. I didn't know what the result was going to be. I think I reached this place in my soul where I said... Doesn't change that what I committed to doing was holy, pure, and good for the glory of God. Y'all see what I'm saying? It didn't change. That thing didn't change what I was doing. But sometimes us church folks are the worst. Like, we allow things that don't have anything to do with what we've determined is holy. For us to be a part of Or holy and pleasing For us to stay away from we, We've already determined that That's it But yet we allow these things That have nothing to do with this thing To change God said I taught you through this To be a little bit more transparent With the things that you're experiencing Victory from Yes, my only regret is that I'm so hard-headed he had to do it to me that way, yeah? When I, when I think about my soul and I think about how much nourishment God gives me through these things, I think about the people that I serve in this recovery program and how far from behind they're fighting. I remember that each time one of them experiences a taste of God's faithfulness that we need to talk about. It. That's what I want to encourage you today. Would you stand to your feet? You have the opportunity today, because you showed up, that you can do this thing called double down. I of mean, you guys know what a double down is. I'm going to have some poker players in the house, <laughs> You can do this thing called your commitment to faith, and I'm going to double down today. There's something inside of you today. That every single time things don't happen the way that you thought they would, your expectations were let down. You've determined this thing to be a pure, good, faithful part of your walk, and it's always shaking based off of life circumstances. Today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to double down. Say, God, this is holy. This is pleasing to you. This is something I believe you've called me to be, called me to be a part of, God. Some of you guys are thinking about your financial situations today, and sometimes it gets too inside of that thing to Todd, but you're saying, no, you've called me to be faithful in this portion of my life. You've called me to be here and to set a standard for my life. So today, it doesn't matter what collateral effects happen. That today, that's at the core of what I do. I won't easily trade it. I've determined it's the most appropriate course of action. You have that opportunity today to make that commitment. I, Chris will be walking in here soon. And when I get to look at his face, his story had little to do with me. But you know what it does? It speaks to my heart of how little of an excuse I often have to allow myself to be shaken from what God's called me to do or from what God's called me to be a part of Would you let this message marinate in your soul while we sing this song? Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.